to go into the most important thing. The most important thing is worshiping God. And that's the reason we're here, is to worship Him. He is the one who is deserving of all honor and glory. So nothing glorifies Him more than our songs of praise. I could have kept singing for a long time this morning. You guys were wonderful. Pam's came so far. I was telling her that last week, just how far, like, Ray and her has come in that. Melissa is doing so wonderful there. The singers, when you're up there with the mic, like you said, everything is just so great. So thank you guys for providing that tone of worship and setting that. So now let's go to our Father because there's nothing more important in the entire world than the Word of God. His Word is the most important thing in this world, and it's your guide to life. So let's ask the Lord now to open up our hearts and our minds to be receptive. I'll let you start in prayer, and I'll close this out. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace and your mercy and your long-suffering. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, who you sent to this earth and offered him up for us, his life for ours, so that we might become the righteousness that you desire through him. And so, Father, we're told that in John 1, 1, that he is the Word, And so as we break open the word in Corinthians, it says it's the mind of Christ. So as we break open what you and your son and your spirit have delivered to us to study, you know in eternity past that we would be looking at this passage today and that it would be effective for the people that were here. We prayed this week that the word would be guided like a missile towards the hearts of those who need it that it would be designed in a way that your word goes to the needs of people. So, Father, today we ask for the forgiveness of our sins before you. We ask that we be cleansed. We confess our faults. We ask for that forgiveness and cleansing of all unrighteousness and to be filled with your Holy Spirit so that he will help us to understand these things and make them real to us. And when the Bible and your word and your promises become more real than the things around us in this world, Father, then we will know that we are overcomers. And so, Father, we pray that that will begin to happen and that we will begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So please open our hearts and our minds to the understanding of your word today as we try to praise and glorify you through it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Okay, this morning... Going to be in Judges chapter 6, if you want to turn there. I want to talk about Gideon, who starts out as a mustard seed kind of faith. And while you're turning there to Judges chapter 6, I got a little story to tell you, something I heard this week. Uh, okay, let me, let me find it for you. Numbers 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. There we go. Yeah. Chapter 6. Chapter 6, what verse? We'll be starting in verse 1 of of chapter 6. There you go, Daniel. A little something I heard this week. There's this, this rich guy, and he held a pool party. It was summer. It wasn't like now. It, it was summer and warm, and he held this pool party. But what he did is he filled it with salt water and a bunch of sharks. <laughs> and he, he, he was a rich guy, like I said. So he said, I offer up to a man who can swim from the front to the end. If you can make it all the way through there, through this pool of sharks that I got, I'll give you anything that you want. <laughs> well... He didn't figure anyone was going to take him up on that kind of an offer with all those big sharks down there. And they're hungry. He hadn't fed them. So next thing you know, there's a splash. And you look around, and there's this guy just getting it, going across that water. He was almost walking on it. I mean, he got across there, came out on the other side. Man went up, and he was surprised. He didn't really want to have to do it. But he said, well, I made the promise, so what is it you want? I said, you can have anything you want. And he said, I'll have to think about some of that in a minute, but right now all I want to know is the name of the guy that pushed me in. <laughs> so, so anyway, Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. And tomorrow, public service announcement too before we begin. Public service announcement. Tomorrow is April 1st. <laughs> April, April Fool's Day, right? Okay. Here's what I want you to do tomorrow. They're going to be trying, a lot of folks trying to trip you up, okay? So I'm letting you know as a public service announcement about this. But Psalm 14 verse 1 says that the true fool is the one who says in his heart that there is no God is a fool. So our assignment for tomorrow is, on April Fool's Day is to find those folks who say that there is no God. Find someone and share the message of Jesus Christ to them so that they're no longer a fool on April Fool's Day, okay? That's going to be our goal, is to share the gospel with someone tomorrow. Now, I want to talk about a parable of Jesus as we begin. It's one of his shortest parables. I can't say the shortest because... This one's two verses, and the next one after that was only one. So this is one of the shortest ones. But it goes like this in Matthew 13. It says, Another parable did Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he had sowed in his field, that mustard seed. It is indeed the least of all seeds. It's tiny. But that mustard seed will plant and it will grow into a plant that is like a tree and it's strong and it's sturdy and even the birds of the air can come and make a nest in it. Well, it's spring and we're getting ready to have garden season and whether you like flowers or whether you like vegetables and plants or mushrooms, whatever it is, it's like this. We, we're getting ready to do that. Well, The Lord's trying to sow these seeds of faith within our hearts so that we'll grow up and be sturdy. And Jesus used it to illustrate not only the kingdom of heaven, but we are the kingdom of heaven. We are the body of Christ. And so it's also a picture of us. We have to grow. We have to start somewhere as a tiny seed of faith. And it takes time to grow up into a mighty tree. 
And so what we're going to use as an illustration of this faith in the life of a person is Gideon today in Judges chapter 6. So if you're there with me, in verse 1 it starts talking out about Gideon. And he's a, he's a person just like you and I. He's got troubles. He's got problems. He's got things going on in life. Here's what's going on in his life. These Midianites and Malachites, they like to come around, and here's their idea of a joke and a way to do things, okay, because they're lazy. They don't like to work and plant and do all that kind of stuff. So what they do is they wait for the Israelites to plant their seeds and grow their crops, and when that grain and the corn and the barley and the different things grow up, they come in as a band of marauders with It says down there in around verse 5 and 6 and 7, it says that they come in like locusts, like a plague of locusts with camels that are innumerable. And they come in and you know what they do? They feed their animals, those cattle, on the stuff that's growing. They take some for their own because they don't like to work. They're going to take what you've done and they're going to take it for themselves. And then they're going to trample it all down as they leave like locusts and they leave you nothing left. That's what they like to do. So, Israel's in famine. They've got a lot of problems. If they try to stop them, they're so innumerable and they're they're mighty warriors, they will get killed. So what are you supposed to do? There's not a Walmart or a Kroger or a -A Save-A-Lot around. So... This is your family's vittles for the next year until you can redo it. What are we going to do? Oh, all of a sudden, this is happening now for seven years. It says for seven years that the Lord has handed them over to the Midianites. Morning, Bill. And for seven years, this has been going on. And then all of a sudden, they go, oh, God. Where's God in this picture? Why has not God been helping us out these seven years? Where is His power and might? This guy who is supposed to be overseeing us. We are His people. Why is this happening? Well, it's about time you turn to God, right? So, as these cries go up asking, Where is God in my life? God sends a prophet. One of His people. To him, And you know what he says? He said, God's got a message for y'all. And the message is this. Yeah. I am the God, the Lord God, who brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And I took you from that land. And I put all those plagues on those people. And I was powerful in might. And I showed you who I was. And I brought you through the Red Sea. And I parted it for you. I kept you alive for 40 years in the wilderness. I was then after Moses with Joshua when you came into the land. But what did I tell you to do when you came into the land? I said, there's people in that land that are wicked. There are people in that land who do not serve me but other gods. So what you're to do is to chase them all out, clear the land so that you will not be tempted to follow them. And you didn't do it. And now you've been following that God instead of me and that is why you are in the predicament 
that you're in. So my first takeaway is this for today. When I have problems in life, when there's toil, trouble, things unravel, maybe it's time for a check, personally. Where is my relationship with God at today? You know, this is, this is a personal, private thing, so you don't have to share it. You just look and you say, where am I at? Have I been with God or have I been following after them? So then he says, when you follow in my ways, I'll bless you. But when you don't, you get what's coming. You, you get to serve this other God. And if you want a good gauge, if, if you're going to do a self-evaluation... And you want a good gauge to go by that's biblical to say, where is my standing? Here's one. Jesus mentioned it in Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, when he said, scribe came to him and said, what's the greatest commandment that there is? And Jesus said that the Lord God is one. And that means you're not supposed to have anything else. And there is no other God but me. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with everything you are. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments and all the law hinges upon that. So if you want a gauge of where my personal life is with God, can you sit there and say that he fills my heart and my mind every day that I am loving him with all of my being or am I not that's a good gauge to see where my standing is with God and you are not there is what he's telling the people and the prophet leaves so now Gideon is thinking and we're going to see this in verse 13 when we get there in a moment that that's just not right That this isn't the way life is supposed to go. So now, this angel of the Lord appears to Gideon now, and he comes to him. And at our moment, Gideon doesn't look like a hero. You know what Gideon's doing? He's in a wine press, but he's threshing wheat. That's not how you thresh wheat. Here's the routine. You go up on a hill, or you get someplace that's windy and open, because... You're going to bang that heads of wheat from those stems. And then you're going to take something and pitch it up in the air. And that breeze blows the chaff and all the kernels. Like when you eat popcorn and those little kernels get stuck up in there in your gums. That's not a good thing to just eat a bunch of those at once. So you throw it up in the air and let the wind blow all of the bad stuff out. So that the good stuff's heavy enough to drop out. And now you've got the good stuff. That's how you thresh wheat. You know what he's doing? He's in a wine press threshing wheat. A wine press you put in a protected area because you don't want a bunch of junk and dirt blowing into your wine that you're making and the grapes that you're squeezing. So he's got everything backwards that he's got going on here. You know why he's there? He's hiding. He's hiding because of these Midianites that are cursing the land and marauding the land and taking everything. And he's scared of them and he's scared he's going to lose his crop. So he's taking it in secret and coming in here and doing things the hard way instead of the Lord's way. 
And so he doesn't look like much of a hero right now. And this angel of the Lord sitting under a tree watching him. And he's so engrossed in what he's doing that he doesn't realize someone's there. He thinks he's hiding. And all of a sudden a voice breaks into the silence and says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. First of all, he probably just jumps up because he thought he was alone. And then he has to check it out. Is this a friend or a foe? Is this one of the Midianites that's found me and coming after me and going to take my life and then take all of my sustenance? He looks at him and it doesn't look much like a foe. It looks like a friend. So he begins a conversation with him there. And he says, uh, you are a mighty man of valor. That word, Kael, is used for David. When Saul's generals are telling him about this young man that's a valiant warrior, Gibor Kael, that's David. The angel of the Lord says those words to Gideon right there. You are a man of valor. He says, who? Me? Who are you talking to? <laughs> you don't know me very well. That's not who I am. And then he says, yes, that is you. And here's my second takeaway, because this is the Lord talking. This is one of the early appearances of Jesus Christ, okay? He's the only member of the Godhead that's seen and visible. And he's here talking to uh, Gideon. And so he knows something. So if you're taking a note, write it down. The Lord is not looking at you today for where you've been or even where you are. The Lord is looking at you as where He knows He can take you to if you let Him. Now, I'm going to repeat that. It gives me a cold chill. The Lord's not looking at where you are today and where you've been or what you've done. The Lord is looking at what He can do with you if you will let him. He says, you are a mighty man of valor. Well, that surprises O Gideon here. He said this. He said, you don't know who I am. He said, I am a, a small guy. And if what you're saying is true, why is all this stuff happening to us? I heard the prophet come, and I've heard my father's talk before about the great things that the Lord has done back in the day. But I don't see it happening to me. Why is everything always like the preacher's telling me, the prophet's telling me, everyone's saying the Lord did all of this, but I don't see that working in my life. Well, we gotta, we got to get ready for that. you got to start on a path to get there. But this... But when that's a question that Gideon asks this man. He said, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this trouble happened to us? Where are all the miracles that our fathers talked about? You say he's mighty to deliver, but all I've seen is he's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites and hadn't done a thing for me. Well, I told you that Gideon thought like we did, didn't I? Maybe not. Maybe none of you has ever thought, well, Lord, if you're really there and you're really with me, why is all this happening in my life? Maybe you've never said that. <laughs> That's right. That's where we're going with this. He, he, he said, where have you been? 
You know, all I see is this. I can't catch a break. I got bills. I got trouble. I got things going on. And you're telling me about this God that delivers and parts the Red Sea. And I'm not seeing none of this greatness of the God. And I'm wondering if he's really here. One of the virtues of God and the Lord is patience. He's patient with us even when we don't really believe truly and wholly and love him with all our heart. He's patient enough to wait on us and to watch us grow because he knows we start out like a seed. Yes, sir. That's right. See, we just, we just had a talk because uh, this kind of thing came up this morning. That's what I'm saying. The Lord targets messages for hearts and for situations and for people. He, we talked, his sister had had cancer. She's cancer-free right now. But when it happened, his mom was like, where is God? Why does this happen? But now that prayers has went up, and she's been freed. Firm's on fire, isn't she? Bless her heart. There's power in this stuff, folks. I'm trying to get us to realize it's real. And it's powerful. And it's there for us to take a hold of, just like it is here. And the Lord's getting ready to offer it to Gideon. And he says, I'm not great. And he says, go. He tells him there, go, get up. There's always a message about going. What did, he, what did Jesus say before he ascended? Matthew 28. He said this, Go ye to all the world. Teach my gospel to every creature. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then he said what? Lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the world. He's telling Gideon right here and he's trying to tell us, I am with you. The battle is mine. It's not yours. You don't have a hand in it. You can't defeat that enemy by yourself. The battle is mine. And so now he says, go Gideon, go. Now look what it says up there. Go in this might of yours, because you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. How are you going to do it? Did I not send you? So who's with him? The Lord God's with him. And the reason you're going to defeat your enemies and the things that is around you is because the Lord is with you and has sent you and not because of who and what you are. Because that's my problem. Lord, don't you know who I am and where I came from and what I've done? And Gideon's going to say the same thing. We see we're no different than he is. Look what Gideon said. He's still in this mustard seed faith. The Lord's trying to say like Jeremiah said, I know the plans that I have for you. And they're plans for your good and to prosper you and not to harm you. And we always stand around and said, that's for everyone else, not for me, because you don't really know who I am. What's Gideon tell? The Lord, the angel of the Lord. He says, how can I make a difference in anything? You don't know who I am. I am of the tribe of Manasseh. My father's house and family is of the poorest part of the tribe of Manasseh. And me, I'm the lowest man in my family. 
So you don't really know who I am. Let me tell you about Manasseh. This just came to me. Manasseh is the brother of Ephraim. That's Joseph's sons, the one that Jacob loved. Okay, He has these sons in Egypt after his brothers sent him over there. And he's there all that time and then everybody comes. He has two sons. Now his father gets to come and see his grandsons and give the blessing upon all of them. He doesn't bless Joseph. He blesses his two sons. He says, I'm adopting them. I'm taking them into my household. And so as he's on his deathbed and he's given the blessing, Joseph brings those two grandbabies over to him. And you know what he does? Joseph positioned them just right so that Ephraim is on his right hand for the blessing because... He's the firstborn, or I mean Manasseh is the firstborn, and he's on the right hand. And he puts Ephraim, the second one, on his left hand so that the true one would get the blessing. You know what Jacob does? He, he can't see. He's blind, but here's what he does. What's that look like? Cross. He crossed his arms, it says, so that his right hand went on Ephraim and his left hand went on Manasseh. The younger child got the blessing and not the older child. And Joseph was like, wait, wait, no, you got it wrong, Dad. No, I got it right. This is the way things are going to go. So Manasseh is a small tribe. It wasn't the tribe that got the blessing. They overlooked them and gave it to Ephraim. And he says, how can I be great? I am from the tribe that was overlooked and didn't get the blessing. My family is of the lowest part of this tribe. And me, I'm on the bottom rung of the totem pole of that. How can I be worth anything? How can I save Israel? And it's because I am with you, he says. You can make a difference. Now, surely, he says, I will be with you. And you shall defeat the enemy and overcome. Verse 16. Because it will be as one man. You as one man. As weak of a mustard seed faith as you have right now. With me by your side. You can defeat that army down there as one man. Don't think that promise ain't to you. Because you might say all this was back then and that was Old Testament. No. Let me tell you what Paul says, Romans 8, 31 and 32. He says this, he says, God delivered up his son on the cross for you when you were his enemy. How shall then not God bless you and give you good things now? Interpretation. Before Christ... You're an enemy of God, it says in Romans. You are an enemy. You're outside his family. When you, God offered up his son while you were an enemy and weren't on his side. That's how much he loved you. Now that you have accepted him and you are now the children of God, do you not think he's going to continue to bless you with even bigger things? And better things, if he did the greatest thing for you when you was an enemy and offered up his only begotten son. So you have the promise as well that God wants to bless your life. He will give you freely all things, it says. But Gideon didn't seem to accept that. He's kind of like us. He wanted some kind of a sign 
Show me a sign that, that what you're saying is true and that you're really who you are. And he said, I know what I'll do. Wait, please do me justice and stay and wait and don't depart from me. And so the angel of the Lord said, go ahead and do what you're going to do. I will wait for you. So he goes in. Gideon goes in and he prepares a kid goat and he prepares some uh, unleavened bread and makes some broth and he brings it out as an offering to this angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord sitting up there and he said, put it there on that rock. So he puts the, the meat and the flesh and he puts the bread and the broth. And he says, pour the broth out on it. Kind of reminds me of Elijah. Pour the water on the offering so I can show you my power. So he does all that. And then the next thing it says is that he took his rod that he had and he touched the flesh that was upon the rock. And when he did, fire came from inside the rock and burned up that offering. And then the angel of the Lord was gone. You know what Gideon did? Same thing I'd have did. He said, I'd have said, holy cow. He said, alas, that was the Lord. <laughs> I'm in trouble now because I've seen the Lord. But the Lord came back with a voice and said, you're not going to die. Rest in peace. So right there on that spot, he worshipped the Lord as an offering. And he said, I'm going to call this Jehovah Shalom, which is interpreted as the God of peace. You want peace in your life? Turn it over to him. Give it to him. That's where your peace is going to come from. If you hang on to your stuff, you're not going to find peace. So then... He goes on then. That's a good first step. But what's going to happen next? He's beginning to think about the Lord. He's got a little peace of mind now. And now there's a window of hope. He can see a light maybe at the end of the tunnel starting to appear. That, that, he's, that faith is growing in it. That mustard seed is germinating and starting to grow. But now there's something else that has to happen. Same thing with me. Remember that thing? There's only one God and you will love that God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's our yardstick we're using here. Well, the angel comes to him that night. Yeah, right after the conversation, right after the fire, right after all of this. Well, the angel comes to him and says there's another step. He says this. He said, out there, he's living in his father's house. His father is one of the ringleaders in the community for Baal. In the backyard, they got this idol set up to Baal. And then they got what they call the grove next to it. And what that is, is the idol to Baal is the, the male god. The poles of the grove is the female god of Ashtaroth. And they usually have drunken orgies around those kind of things. It's a god of fertility, okay? And so, that's in your backyard. Now, wait a minute. What was Gideon's thought? God has not been working in my life. I haven't seen the power of God that everybody talks about. You know why? Maybe it's because in my backyard, I've got some things going on. That shouldn't be going on. Maybe I've got these worldly idols. An idol is what keeps. Stands in between you and God. Of worshiping him with all your heart. And your soul and your mind. Anything that comes in there. That takes that place is an idol. So maybe I got some idols in my backyard. That I got to do something with. 
Maybe I don't even realize it, but it's when I begin to take that personal check that I figure out I got something going on here. And so he says this, the angel of the Lord says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get two bulls. One of them is the old bull. He's seven years old. He's big, he's strong, he's tough, kind of like some of these young men we got around here today. And then he says, I want you to take another one. I want you to take the young bull, and I want you to go out to that grove, and I want you to demolish it. I want you to hook that big bull that's seven years old up and pull that idol down. Smash those stones. And then I want you to cut down that, that pole to Ashtaroth that you've got. And I want you to do this. Chunk it up. I want you to make a cowboy campfire now. I want you to chunk that piece up. Build me an altar on that rock where that other idol stood with all of those stones. Now I want you to build an altar to me. And I want you to take that wood from the other idol. And I want you to take the young bull. And I want you to offer it up upon that altar to me. Now let me tell you why that's important. You got to burn it down. You got to get rid of it totally. You got to smash it into pieces. You got to burn it down. Why? Because if I leave it standing there, or if I just put it in the closet and think that I've hid it, I'm going to be tempted to go back to it again. And it's going to come around and around, and it's always going to be working on my mind. I'm sorry I screamed, Melissa. (laughs) You've got to get rid of it, folks. He said, burn it to ashes, tear it down, and that way you don't see it no more, you don't long for it no more, it's no longer in your life and you can't go back to it. You can't go back. So, that's what he does. He goes out there, he's still a mustard seed type faith. He's growing, but he's still not all the way there to the birds dwelling with him, okay? That's going to happen when he goes next week into the battle. And he's in charge of the men. All the birds come and nest in him. But this week he's still growing in that faith. So you know what he does? He grabs ten of his men. That's the father's household servants to come with him to help do it. Because he's afraid of his father's house. And he's afraid of the people of the city. Because all the villagers come up there to worship at his house. So he takes ten of the men and they go and they do what the Lord says. And then... In the morning time, everybody sees what happened. And then they want to bring him out and to have him killed. What's going to happen? We'll find out next week. I'm going to leave you with that. But as our worship team comes up, (laughs) this is to be continued. I hope that that you want to be here next week to see part two of this story. But as our worship team comes up, let's reflect on some things that we learned about today. First of all, I need to take a self-assessment see what's in my backyard and compare it to the gauge of am I loving the Lord with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all of my strength. Second, all of us are Gibor Kail's valiant warriors. You know why? Because you're in Christ. It's not about who you are. It's about who's with you. So, quit sitting on the sidelines Quit looking through the rearview mirror at your past 
when you go out to leave today to your car, do me a favor. When you sit down in the car, I want you to look at the way the engineers designed it, okay? You got a big windshield and you got a little rear view. The rear view is not there for you to enjoy the scenery of where you've been. It's there to warn you of upcoming trouble. Because of your past, you might realize what kind of trouble you can get into. So the rear view is only there to to say, trouble's ahead, I need to be on guard. I've got a big windshield because they want you to see the road that's ahead of you. From this point on... If the Lord is with you, you've got a windshield. You've got Him by your side. You are a valiant warrior. It's time that we quit just staring at the rear view and thinking, Oh, poor me, I'm from the poorest house of the poorest place and look what I've done and I can't be used. And it's time that we quit looking in the rear view and that we look through the front window of what the Lord wants us to be and realizes that we can be right here where He's planted us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your son, salvation, to be in you and in Christ. And that we can have these precious promises. They are ours to claim, Father, if we will just believe and take them. Father, I know there's people here. I can feel it. I know from my own self. There's people here that don't think that they've been worthy or that they're stuck on their rear view. Father, give us the spirit to break those chains. You should know the truth and the truth will make you free. Get free of those things that keep binding you and break forth into the you that God wants you to be. So, Father, I pray that this message came for such a time as this. I pray that we will all be strengthened by the example and your word that you give to us, which is true, which is holy, which will live and abide forever. These examples are for us to know how you work in our life. So, Father, we pray that you will begin to nourish our seed of faith and to grow it and that we can be supreme, valiant warriors for you. Cleanse us, Father. Make us that new creature in Christ. Give us the faith to worship you and to glorify you. And in this day of worship, may you receive all glory and honor and praise from us, your creation, as we thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.